2: LittleWire's Wednesday NBA DFS podcast, a new weekly basketball DFS podcast. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me once again is Ben
1: Miller. Ben, how's it going? Pretty good. You know, halfway through the week, we're almost to that weekend area. Um, looking forward to this first Wednesday slate of games that we're getting into after, you know, doing Monday the last few weeks. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
2: Well, I'm now two for two on beating you in DFS lineups uh, based off of our lineups we talked about in the podcast. So, are you kind of licking your wounds at this point? Because it, it feels like I'm just going to sweep you for the rest of the time.
1: I wouldn't bet on that. No, no <laughs> chance. Um, no, Monday's slate was a bit of a struggle for sure. So, I'm not too hurt about taking the L this time around. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure I got the right uh, the r- right recipe this time. So. Um, I think you better
2: you better get ready. In all fairness, I don't really feel comfortable bragging about my lineup on Monday because it relied a lot on the Cavaliers, and the Cavaliers got owned by the Warriors, and it was it was fascinating to watch that matchup unfold and how poorly really everyone played. It almost felt like at that point they, I mean, even in the first quarter, it felt like a blowout. It was done, so I don't feel really really happy about beating you with that. But yeah, it's, I'm still two for two.
1: True, I, I will. I'll give you
2: that. I guess. <laughs> Moving on, uh, just to. Go over last night's perfect lineup. Corey Joseph and Ricky Rubio were the point guards for this uh, perfect lineup. Then we have the shooting guards, DeMar DeRozan, Will Barton, Small Ford, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Power Ford, Nicole Djokovic, and Gory Yang. And then center, man, Ben, I'm just going to let you even say his name. You, You seem to get it down pretty well. I believe we're going with Avika Zubak. Avika Zubek sounds perfect to me. Again, we, we talked about this. Just say it, say it as fast as you can, and that counts. True. Yeah, no, I
1: mean, and going off that, I mean, he's he was clearly the most surprising player um, to show on that list. I mean, this is a guy who averages just 3.6 points and 2.8 rebounds. Um, that's across 9.6 minutes per game. It's 26 minutes Tuesday, where, or Monday, I should say. No, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday, you're Tuesdays. right. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> no, as far and away as career high in minutes. He'd only seen 10 minutes or more in three previous games this season. Um, so at that minimum contract, it would have been nearly impossible to kind of predict that. But, you know, it's, especially with Timothy Mozgov and Tariq Black both healthy. So that was kind of crazy and I, it definitely by far the most surprising, um, you know, thing that came out of last night's games.
2: Absolutely. I mean, this the centers for the Lakers haven't always been successful, or at least the last couple of years. So it was a little bit surprising. A little bit, I should say, a lot surprising to even see that name come across when we were putting together the perfect optimizer. At the same time, I don't know how much you can really take away from that. My biggest takeaway was that Nicole Jokovic was actually doing something pretty well. I mean, that's now back to back games where he scored nearly 30 points. He's been a consistent source of points, at least for like season long fantasy leagues. DFS, he's been a bit hit or miss, and at the 8,500 price, which was, was he at last night, didn't really feel that like uh, you had to start him kind of thing, but. He's seen a modest increase in minutes since his rookie year. Now of course he's averaging four more points, one point five more rebounds in his rookie season. I think you're starting to see that play apart. I I almost wonder if he's gonna get on that borderline you need to play him every night, or at least consider playing him every night, because he could put together performances like he did Tuesday and you're like, Well, I don't I feel stupid for not having him in my lineup.
1: Yeah, he's He's been actually really phenomenal so far, and that was, it was one of those players that you didn't see coming. Um, I think at this point, when he's still in that eighty five hundred range, that's almost like a must play type of deal. Um, but I do think that's going to keep rising, you know, in the next few weeks. And at that point, it's going to be, you know, it's a decision factor on you know the price wise who fits your your lineup best. But yeah, I think right now it is where his contract's at, salary's at. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty questionable. Any other takeaways from that perfect lineup optimizer? I think there's a good point to be made by seeing both Will Barton and Corey Joseph in the, in the perfect lineup from last night. Um, injuries are such an important part in finding value in creating a much better lineup. I um, mean, you know, as both of those guys found themselves in the starting lineup without their, their usual starters uh, available, uh, Barton started instead of Gary Harris for the Nuggets, and Joseph started at point guard for Kyle Lowry when he was resting. So I think that's, that's definitely a huge point to be made and how big of an impact injuries can have for you know, DFS lineups.
2: I feel like you're foreshadowing, Ben.
1: Is that is that what's happening that right could now? Could be a part of the yeah, that, it could be part of the play. Yeah,
2: I think that might as well just be the theme of Wednesday's show at least. Injuries can and will impact your DFS lineup, so that's what I think is going to be a big part of at least today's broadcast. Here. Definitely, yeah. All right, so breaking down the nine-game slate, we have Portland and Charlotte going ahead starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time, Memphis, Washington, 7 p.m. Eastern time, and then Toronto and Philadelphia, 7 p.m. Eastern time. The Knicks and Boston kick off at 7.30, Atlanta and Detroit, 8 o'clock again at Eastern time, and then we have a really interesting match, at least one I'm looking forward to, Bucks versus Rockets, 8 o'clock Eastern time. We rounded out with the uh, Magic and Pelicans 8 a.m. Eastern time. Thunder Warriors, obviously, that's going to be the prime time matchup at least late time, so 10:30 Eastern time, and then. Indiana Indiana, and Sacramento 10.30 Eastern time. A whole bunch of injuries to go through for there. So I think the best way to do this is just kind of rattle off a few from each team that are going to be important, and then we kind of break it down from there. Sound good?
1: Yeah, works for me.
2: All right, so Kyle Lowry, obviously he missed Tuesday's game. He was rest- we we're expecting him to play again, so not really concerned there. However, Patrick Patterson is a game-time decision, at least at the power forward spot. And we know for a fact that Jared Sellinger is going to be out. So that is looking like Pascal Siakam is going to be – your starting power forward for the Toronto Raptors on Wednesday night. I don't know if you really want to use him. I don't even know if you want to say his name more than once. Uh, but he's one of those guys that, well, maybe he gets twenty five minutes a night, and, or twenty five minutes on Wednesday night. And he's one of those guys that, okay, well, we put him in there, and that's that's just how it is. If we're, if we're especially doing a stars and scrubs kind of
1: thing. Yeah, I, I do see where you're coming from with the stars and scrubs, and Siakam should get a, a ton of minutes. You know, with I think Nojera's even um, yeah, yeah dealing with an injury as well. But I, no, I'm out. I'm fully <laughs> avoiding that situation.
2: That's fair enough. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for DFS purposes, you're trying to find the, the best case scenario. I don't think you're really looking for crapshoots, and that's exactly what the power forward spot with the Raptors feels like. So, I mean, if you're, if you're desperate, you know he's going to be a minimum price guy that might be seeing some minutes, even even if Patrick Patterson does play. So I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm staying away from that. Yeah. Moving on, we got Joel Embiid. He's a game time decision. He sat up Wednesday morning shoot around. He's questionable to play with an illness. Again, he's been kind of on a minutes restriction before. We know that Nerlens Noel is expected to play despite spraining his ankle. That forced him to miss Monday's game. And then for the 76ers, TJ McConnell told reporters he would play Wednesday, but he's currently listed as doubtful. It seems like he's actually not going to play. So, kind of conflicting reports. And that could make a big deal, especially if you play on playing Sergio Rodriguez at the point guard position.
1: Yeah, I think. I, I, I he's doubtful so I, McConnell's not supposed to play right so i think Rodriguez could be a definitely a val- like a valid um, option to throw in there he's not extremely high upside um but he's gonna get a ton of minutes you know 30 plus easy right and he's a guy that can get points and assists i think he's surpassed the 30point Fandle mark plenty of times this season already um so i mean there's yeah he's an option i i, I i'm probably going to use him honestly <laughs> i wish we could break down more of Perzingis'
2: injury. He's a game-time decision for Wednesday. He missed Monday's game with an Achilles injury. There isn't a lot of information to go on right now. He's hopeful to play. We know he's hopeful to play, but other than that, there's not much to break down. Whereas Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis, two of the big injury names, they are both confirmed to play on Wednesday. We know Andre Drummond missed practice Tuesday with a sprained right knee. He's good to go. We know that Anthony Davis is good to go following his hip contusion, thumb sprain, whatever you want to call it that happened. Uh, I mean, both those guys are high-priced players. so. Porzingis is kind of a, the lone ranger, so to speak, that we're waiting on to see. Okay, are you going to play or are you not going to play?
1: Yeah, and that, I mean, if, if he does play, it's quite, you hate playing guys that are fresh off an injury, and that's, that's always tough to do. But with, with uh, I, I honestly, I feel comfortable using him if, you know, that the Knicks actually just say he's off any restrictions or anything like that. Um, if he doesn't play, I think the Knicks were talking about using Carmelo at power forward. Um, and then Joaquim Noah back at center, which Noah was actually
2: very productive when he was at center. Starting yeah. at center, so I agree with you in that sense. I actually wouldn't start Porzingis if he's if he's good to go. I know he's a player, I get that, but I, I'm just not really a fan of the matchup against Boston. Al Horford's one of the better defenders in the league, and and you know the the coaching staff at least for the Celtics are going to game plan for a healthy Porzingis. So and obviously limited Porzingis, I'm not really looking at as a guy that I want to play, especially at a higher price portion.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think he's he's got enough upside. Sure, um, I, I I'd be comfortable playing him.
2: A couple of lower scrap guys, uh, Aaron Baines. He's coming off a knee injury for the Pistons. They're expecting him to play, and honestly, he could make a big difference, uh, even with Drummond participating. I think that's one of those things where. Baines could make a a huge start, or especially if John Luer, who is also practicing, not practicing. Well, we don't really know what is happening with him. Yeah, I don't know where we can see that that situation moving forward. Obviously, none of those guys are really needle movers, so to speak. But I think, uh, especially if you're looking for cheaper options at the power forward spot, both of them could play an
1: impact in that. I'm not so sold on Baines myself. If Drummond wasn't playing, absolutely, I'd, I'd consider him. But with Drummond being good to go, even if he's on a minutes restriction, I'm not fully sold on uh, you know Baines being that big contributor that you need and you know to win some some of those cash games. Even um, so, yeah, I'm kind of avoiding that for now. I think Lures an interesting um, play coming off an injury could be very um, very low percentage owned in mm-hmm. a decent salary, so that could be. Um, I, I think there's some value
2: there. I, I do. The Pistons seem to be missing everyone because they're also not going to be playing without Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He didn't practice Tuesday. He's been ruled out with a shoulder injury already. We know Reggie Bullock is going to be starting for Pope. Is he one of those guys that you think slot into the lineup as a a cheaper filler
1: option for DFS purposes? I'm not buying Bullock either, really. Uh, He's recorded 26 and 29 minutes in each of the last two games. Only has a combined 11 points, three rebounds, and four assists to show for it. So I'm probably going elsewhere in that Pistons lineup, honestly, myself. Uh, for me, maybe Marcus Morris. He's kind of um, a guy that I think is going to get a ton of minutes and, and could see a pretty big uptick in you know usage.
2: And finally, the, the last major injury to note, Stephen Adams will be out with a concussion. We don't quite know yet who's going to be starting. Again, they play the Warriors, so you're looking at that death lineup and thinking that there could be some different players that you'd be not expecting normally to play there. Of all these injuries that we kind of talked about, which one are you looking at the most, Ben, as far as
1: DFS DFS implications go? I'm going right to the, the Steven Adams. You know, it's it's nice having him already ruled out. Um, that gives, like, no you know middle ground for where he can potentially play, could potentially not be on a minutes restriction or anything like that. So he's out. I still think Enos Cantor is the play there. I'm pretty confident he's going to be highly owned. Um, so that's not always the best thing for a tournament setting, but can be good at double-ups and other cash games like that. However, I'm kind of hoping maybe his 20 Fanduel points on Monday will potentially scare some people off. Um, it doesn't push me; at doesn't really push me away at all. Though you know, he's posted 30 or more Fanduel points in each of the Thunder's previous four games. He's been more of a you know more than solid off the bench, and, and his play this season has me fully confident in his potential. You know, especially Sands Adams. Um, I mean, Jeremy Grant's another option there, and while I like his price at 3600. I'm still not sold really on him. I'm I'm going more towards Cantor for sure. And we can break this down a little bit
2: more after we look at the rotoware Optimizer. But I actually think that uh, Dominus Sabanosa actually could be a player that we look at too. I know that the Warriors are going to be playing all sorts of different things, and because they want to make an impression against the against the Thunder, I think that they want to help out Kevin Durant, their buddy, so to speak, kind of jump ship. Obviously, it's a big matchup. I think they're going to want to make the Thunder look bad. I I, I still think Sabanosa or yeah, I, I can. I just think I can. He could seem do really well in this game if they give him the minutes. But you're right; they could play Jeremy Grant, and I could absolutely see that too. Especially if they're trying to fit that smaller lineup kind of thing. I, I just don't know. There's so much. There's so much question marks with who's going to be filling in for Adams, and it's not a normal matchup. The, the, the Warriors, you can't play them normally like you would play other teams. So, to me, that's one of those. I'm actually staying away just because I have no idea what's happening. But there's at least three players in there that you could absolutely gamble and make tons of money with um, if you felt comfortable using them, and they go off. That's that's one of those situations with DFS where any one of those guys could have major implications on tonight's games, tonight's slates. I just don't, I just don't know who it is.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I still think it's Canner, but I mean, it's kind of showed in his price. I mean, he's 6000 something and the other guys are uh, pretty much lower down there. But, I mean, they do have the potential, and I, I do think there's an option to use him. But like you said, it's kind of tough with Grant and Sabonis to um, to, yeah, to feel comfortable using them as an upside play.
2: The matchup that I'm looking for, and there's injuries on both sides, but the Pelicans' magic uh, is, is kind of the biggest one with me. I know Anthony Davis is playing, but I'm concerned that he could be on some sort of minutes restriction, obviously, He's their best player by far. We know that. But the Pelicans aren't very good defensively, just period. It doesn't matter what position they're power, uh, power forward, center, small forward, shooting guard, point guard, we got. They, they aren't very good. So having Anthony Davis out could have a huge implication for Magic um, on their offensive stats. So I think that could be a big deal. And also, if Davis is kind of on a minutes restriction, who's going to be playing at that power forward, center spot? Is it Terrence Jones? Is it Demo? I, I don't know. We know both of them can go off. We know that they kind of spread the floor. and. And that could be an effective option, but I don't know where they all go. And I, it's one of those I'd definitely keep an eye on if I was setting my DFS lineup, at least later in the evening, to see what reports are coming up and who's going to be playing and how much they're going to be playing. Because that, that's a big deal to me.
1: Yeah, and Davis is so injury-prone in the, in the past, and I'm, I'm not comfortable touching him, you know, despite being right. cleared. And the only positive I can see here is actually maybe some low ownership rates if you're trying to, you know, get, get a guy that no one else really has, um, especially at one of those, you know, one of the more consistent players. Um, that's you know that's yeah. the fantasy realm absolutely true great. and and he's a
2: lower price too than russell westbrook so you know that you're going to get one of your big guys who has shown that he can go off and probably is going to be a lower owner, at least for tournaments that that could be a good play right in that card it's yeah in that good.
1: regards yes but it, yeah i'm out on that this time around you know it's it's too too fresh off an injury for a guy that's you know dealt with so many issues, you know, in his first few years in the, year, in the right, league. Right, right.
2: Even Evan Fournier, who's going to be out. Um, I think Jody Meeks starting at shooting guard for the Magic. That could that kind of a big deal too. I mean, he's kind of a lower price dude to begin with, and we know he's a scorer. So all you really need from him is a few more assists and rebounds to get him at at a, a decent enough price, especially for his closer to minimum value. I, I think that that's going to be one of the under radar moves that you can make for DFS on Wednesday, and I'm hoping
1: that plays out at least. Yeah, I do like Meeks. I think he's had a couple. Pretty decent games over the last four contests. Thirty-three point uh, Fanduel points against the Clippers on January eleventh. So I mean, he's got some upside, and especially when you at that thirty-eight hundred dollar contract, I do see you know plenty of value there.
2: Right. Okay. So we know there's nine game slate. Like there's lots of teams playing, meaning there's lots of higher price players out there. Once again, we had discussed this on Monday. I'm curious, Ben, if your strategy has changed at all to go stars and scrubs, or if you're looking at you know a
1: best of approach for most of the spots. Yeah, with these huge slate of games, I'm usually fully on board with the stars and scrub lineup. I mean, if I'm doing a double up or you know 50-50 type of stuff, I might you know refrain from it. But in a bigger tournament where you're trying to you know differentiate your lineup from others, I'm fully on board with it. There's always a plethora of injuries, um, which usually allows you to fit in some of those higher priced guys with some cheaper value plays. You know that benefit from other guys being out. So for night, yeah, for tonight's ga- games, that makes me feel comfortable comfortable going with both. Um, Russell Westbrook and Giannis, and you know, despite having those salaries at twelve thousand three hundred and ten thousand six hundred, respectively. So yeah, I'm, I'm scrubs and stars and scrubs. Put me in.
2: You're giving away your lineup already. You can't be doing that, Ben. That's cheating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. That, we save not... that for the end. We <laughs> save that for the end. No, no, seriously though, I'm also thinking stars and scrubs at least for tonight. I've I've went back and forth on a lot of this stuff, but for me, it comes down to there's so many different injuries and there's so many different injuries that could even crop up. At the last second that there's going to be plenty of affordable lower priced options out there. And as long as you guess right on them, especially in tournaments, you're going to be doing just fine because we know the higher priced guys and what they're capable of doing. I mean, you had mentioned Westbrook and we'll get to him in a second. But again, Giannis is one of those guys going against the Rockets. I really think he'll have a big impact in this game. And honestly, for his price, it's pretty reasonable for what he can do. So. I'm looking at more of a Stars and scripts lineup as well, but I'm also trying to keep an eye of where the injuries are taking place and what I can take advantage of at least for uh, positions and matchups because I think that's the most important way to look at this every single time we do it. I I, I do want to have a little bit more of a a heart-to-heart with you (laughs) about your man crush on Russell Westbrook because we've done this now three times, and every single time you've talked about how you need to have Russell Westbrook in your lineup. And need I remind you, I've, I've beaten you every single time so maybe you have a serious addiction problem with russell westbrook there could be some
1: issues there i'm not ruling that out (laughs) that's for sure but i mean he just has so much upside compared to some of these other players and he's so consistent that it's almost impossible sometimes for me to back off i mean it's like when someone offers you a beer a drink at the bar you take it it's no no you don't No, it's too good of an opportunity to pass up that's that's how i feel about westbrook I mean, I know his price is always ridiculous, but I, I, don't, I usually don't feel comfortable leaving him. Like I said, I don't feel comfortable leaving him out of my lineup. Um, but yeah, he's coming off a 36-point fanduel showing on Monday, which was pretty bad, and um, I, I deserve the flag you've given me for that. But he's posted back-to-back performances of less than 40 Fandu points just once before this season. So it feels pretty much like a guarantee to me that he's, he's going to go off. Here, here's the thing with your analogy in the drink of the bar.
2: I guess I don't get too many people giving me drinks at the bar very often I guess I'm'm I'm, I'm clearly not as an attractive man as you are <laughs> in that regards but if someone were to just give me a free drink at the bar I would probably question what was put into it what what, no. what, 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 what I have to worry about with that maybe, maybe if it's a nice establishment I have to worry about that but I'm just saying you go just automatically take the drink and be happy with it that's that's not how that works and I think that's the same thing with Russell Westbrook the guy has now under 50-point games twice in the last three contests, twice, and you're paying $12,000, 12500 for this kind of guy. That's that's just not a good price for me, especially when we're looking at $2,000 savings between other upper echelon players, again, like Giannis, again, against the Rockets. I think he's going to be great. We had talked about Anthony Davis. I wouldn't use him, but I would much rather use Westbrook over Davis. Kevin Durant going against the Thunder, again, a 10000 guy. These are all players that I'd much rather play than Russell Westbrook especially considering the point guard position is so nice looking, at least uh, for this slate of games. So, no, I'm not taking the free drink. I I don't care about consistency. I'm telling you that he's had two under-50 Fandu points in the last three games, and that does not scream to me, I need to have him in my lineup.
1: You're missing opportunities, first off, with drinks. I mean, that's that's just an opportunity (laughs) missed. Uh, But no, I... This guy, this guy doesn't have terrible games back to back. I know you said he's under 50 in you know two, two of the last three games, but there's no bigger bounce back candidate possible than Russell Westbrook, especially after a 36 point was showing.
2: And that and that in there probably presents his value. I think at least in tournament settings. He could be, just like one of those Anthony Davis players, a little undervalued, especially based off of what he did the night before. I'm sorry, the two nights before where he just wasn't as effective, 36 FanDuel points again. I have to keep bringing that up because that's a big deal, especially when you're paying so much money for him. I I mean, maybe he ends up getting lower priced and lower owned, and you know he's going to have one of those revenge type of games against the Warriors. You know he wants to show off. I wouldn't be surprised if he shoots like 30, 30 field goal attempts per Today, I, I mean, I think that's even a low number. Yeah, if I he's taking him it on himself for sure. If I had to guess, I'm just expecting he's going to be shooting a ton. So I know he's going to get his. I get that. But I just wonder if the Warriors as a whole will be able to be cohesive enough to stop him. Because you know they also want to beat down the Thunder just as bad as the Thunder want to beat down the
1: Warriors. Yeah.
2: Before we move on to the roto Optimizer, another word from our sponsors, Harry's. Ben, we had talked Monday about my shaving experience. It's been dreadful. It's been dreadful for a very, very long time. I'll be honest to say I've been afraid to shave most times because it just hurts. I've been so focused on using the cheap brands and everything else like that that I've really kind of put aside and not thought so much about what it actually feels like to have a good shave. So trying Harry's for the first time was just a euphoric experience. There was no pulling, no scratching. It was just a good, clean, comfortable shave. I can't tell you how much it's been an amazing thing to have. Thanks to the way to air knob handle, five precision engineer blades with lubricating strip and rich lathering shave gel, I was able to shave the way I wanted to. And I think that's a big deal for me. So, better yet, it was way less than what I would pay for the typical drugstore, supermarket kind of blades. It was cheaper and it felt way better. It was just a, such an eye opening experience that I really just threw away my razor right there in the spot. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades, they want you to try their shave set for free. You heard that right, for free. Just cover shipping when you sign up. Plus, as a special offer fans of the show, go to harrys.com right now and enter promo code ROTO at the checkout to get a post-shave balm also free. That's right, harrys.com, ROTO, that's your code you're using. Get all that stuff for free. All right, let's break down the RotoWire optimizer. Let's give our Triple O opinions on the optimizer. Here's what RotoWire is suggesting right now. Obviously, this is going to update a little bit more as we find out more injuries that take place, but I actually think this is pretty good. So at point guard, we have Russell Westbrook going against the Warriors, 12,300. Sergio Rodriguez going against the Raptors, 4,100. At shooting guard, we have the Greek Freak, obviously, going against the Rockets, 10,600. And Victor Oladipo, the The optimizer just loves Oladipo. He's going against the Warriors, 5,600. Don't remind me. (laughs) Small forward, Aaron Gordon, uh, going against the Pelicans, 4,900. And then Michael Kidd-Gilchrist going against the Trailblazers, 4,800. We round out the power forward spot, Paul Millsap going against the Pistons, 8,800. And then another power forward, Dominus Sabonis, Warriors, 3,500, another cheaper priced option. Finally, at center, Jonas Valnauenis, 76ers he's going against, and that's a 5,700 price
1: to drop. What are you thinking about that optimizer right there? I mean, I already foreshadowed it a little bit with my Westbrook and Giannis, so I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Stars and scrubs, I'm digging it. Um, I probably would have sacrificed some salary elsewhere to get a better option than Sabonis. I get that he could see some added time with Adams out, but there's just no upside there for me. He scored less than 20 FanDuel points in 13 straight games. Um, but like you said, at a minimum salary, you get what you get. Um I think mm-hmm. Valentunis could be another sneaky good play if you're forfeiting, you know, guys up top at center like DeMarcus Cousins, Joel Embiid, Marcus Marcus Saul. Um I think Valentunis is definitely one of the better options at at, at that lower tier. You know, he's only fifty seven hundred and pretty consistent with with a thirty-plus fan point showing in recent games. So yeah, I, I think that's a sneaky sneaky little play there at you know that decent price. I really like the lineup as a whole and the, and
2: I'll say I like the lineup most times. It's at least something I can build off of and kinda of look at what I want from my lineup, but I could have started this one right now in a few double-ups and felt pretty confident that I'd be able to cash. That's that's where we're at right now. Again, I know that there's going to be a lot of change that happened, especially with injuries that we're, we're learning about more. I think the the Porzingis injury could have a major impact on what the optimizer is looking at as well. Um, but aside from the eternal love for Oladipo, I, I think this is a great group. I would likely pay down for Westbrook in an effort to spend money on somewhere else, like especially Aaron Gore. I'm not a huge fan of that play. Um, but I can see where he can... Use Westbrook obviously. We we just spent like ten minutes talking about that, so it's, it's fine enough. And as a bonus, I think for the minimum price, you know what you're going to get. Um, and if it's around twenty points, I think you'd be happy with that for thirty five hundred. So, I'm I think the optimizer as a whole has a pretty good idea of what we want. And I, I'm expect especially expecting uh, uh, Giannis to really put together a lot of points, especially against James Harden. So.
1: Yeah, that porous Rockets defense is just exactly what you're looking for in a matchup for Giannis.
2: Honestly, this would be a good question. Which would you rather target in a DFS, the the Rockets defense or the Pelicans defense? Because I found myself putting together a lineup focused solely on attacking the Pelicans when I really kind of set aside what you could do against the Rockets, obviously Jabari Parker is one of those guys that has been a pretty good DFS player for most of the season. And then you have Malcolm Brogdon, who is a point guard and has really kind of stepped up in his stay, especially with Tony Snell, kind of, eh, Matthew Delvedova, eh. So I think there's actually a few different options you could use from the Bucks' offense besides Giannis, too.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting thought, too. I mean not only that the Rockets' defense just gives up so much, I think it's just such an up-paced attack that they have that, you know, there's going to be more statistics available with guys going back and forth. I think the Pelicans would be a much slower-paced game, um, you know, feeding Davis, letting him work the post, everything like that, not, you know, chucking deep balls with guys like Ariza Anderson, pardon, and that. So that's, I mean, that's something to consider for sure, you know, the pace as well as the defense. But I think, yeah, you make a good point. It's interesting to, you know, decide which of those two, you know, teams you'd like to, you know, Game plan for it.
2: Well, the statistics say that you probably want to game. You want to center around and build your lineup around taking the, the Pelicans. They're they're top three. They allow the most Fanduel points in point guard position, small forward position. and I think that they're around top five, top ten at the power of, at the power forward position too, if I'm correct. And while the Rockets have not been good, surprisingly, at the shooting guard spot in a lot of points. I mean, that doesn't make. Much of it. no, I was kidding. That was sarcasm. That's not that much of a surprise. Uh, they've actually been all right in other areas, especially uh, you know, small forward. They're kind of middle of the pack. So I, I would probably build my lineup more around the Pelicans defense, but I, I don't think I would argue if you want to build your lineup targeting the Rockets type defense either. Uh, let's let's just break down our lines real quick here. So uh, we've done this before. Now we're going to go back and forth on our positions and then kind of banter
1: a little bit about what we got.
2: So we know that you're starting Russell Westbrook. Who's your other point guard that you're looking at, Ben? Yeah, we
1: mentioned him previously. I'm going with uh, Sergio Rodriguez. Uh, the potential for McConnell to be out should be a, a you know a big minute night for for Rodriguez and decently cheap, forty one hundred. And it's a guy that's been he's had, he's got he's got some upside. He's he's passed that thirty point Fandle mark multiple times. Um, Yeah, I think that's that's a definitely a a good play, especially when I am trying to you know pair him with uh, Westbrook in that. that Are you concerned that if TJ
2: McConnell doesn't play, or I am sorry, if TJ McConnell does play, that Rodriguez is going to be a non factor?
1: I wouldn't say non factor. I do think it hurts his minutes for sure. Uh, McConnell, you know, I think he logged a a couple starts and was pretty effective when Rodriguez had. I think he had an ankle injury of his own, Um, so I think it'd be a pretty decent timeshare between the two, and that that does you know worry me at least a little bit.
2: I ask this because I'm also starting Sergio Rodriguez in my lineup, but I want to do better than you. So I'm trying to pick your brain a little bit on it. <laughs> I agree with what you were saying, though. I think that you're, you'd expect less points, but not enough where at the 4,100 price that he's at, it's, that's not something I would just take out entirely. Uh, I would have to kind of configure my lineup a little bit differently if he was out, though, because at 4,100, he's so cheap. And I'm hoping that McConnell's not playing. I mean, again, he's doubtful. So I'm expecting he's not. He's not taking the court Wednesday. Right. Obviously McConnell said he's gonna be taking the court, but we'll we'll see when that really gets down to game time on Wednesday. But I'm expecting Sergio Riggers to get the start, and as such I'm thinking that he's gonna get five, six times the value just based off of sheer volume of what he's doing. My other point guard is gonna be Alfred Payton going against the Pelicans. Again, we just discussed this earlier, but I'm targeting the Pelicans defense. They're really, really, really not great at stopping the point guard. They allow the third most fan points, two opposing point uh two opposing point guards 6,200. I know Alfred Payton doesn't really do a lot of scoring necessarily, but he's had a few good games lately, and what he brings to the table as far as assists and even steals likely makes it the 6,200 price very easy for me. I'm, I'm looking at 30 to 35 points, and against the Pelicans defense, I think that's very doable.
1: Yeah, Payton's combined for what is it, 68 points and 21 assists over the last two games, adding on to that. 13 boards as well, so he's hot right now. I, I like the play. Uh, not I mean decently ch- cheap at sixty two hundred. It's one of those middle middle of the pack type of guys. Um, but yeah, I, I like it against that Pelicans defense as well. It's a pretty pretty good look.
2: And it's more important because he did so well against the Jazz two nights ago. Thirty I mean he played thirty nine minutes, but 28 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. That was against the Jazz, who have a, a just a stout defense, obviously. And he took 17 field goal attempts. Now he's taken three consecutive games with over 15 field goal attempts. Uh, and I think that's where you're starting to see it. He's obviously inserted back into the starting lineup, and that's kind of where you're seeing more of the points and more of the minutes. But he's one of those guys I think that you can roll with, especially against the Pelicans' defense, that just, just isn't there today. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. All right,
1: who do you got shooting guard? At right, shooting guard, and we're going with Giannis, uh, Greek freak. Uh, we mentioned him before. That's a, I think that's a great look against yeah. the Rockets, obviously. Um, and then I'm also siding with Tony Allen, your favorite.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tony Allen, um, I'm fine if you want to play him in your over-50 league, um, <laughs> but I'm not quite positive why you're playing Tony Allen in your lineup right now, especially when there are actually a decent amount of shooting guard options that are under the age of 65. <laughs>
1: I get that he, he's, he might not be one of the young guns, but Allen's still a guy that can get you that multi-category production at a decently cheap price, at just 4700 Obviously, it'd be better if he, if he was more consistent along those numbers, and his, his numbers kind of fluctuate quite a, quite a bit. Uh, but at the same time, he's, he hits that 30 fanduel point mark, looks like twice over the last five games, and he's a guy that can score a rack of boards and lock some assists. So I think there's enough potential at that price to be worth a play.
2: I think you're just enamored by his 22-point outing against the Houston Rockets. Again, Houston Rockets aren't very good at defense. That's that's their, like, M.O. So 22 points, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, three turnovers. That wasn't great. But he was 9 of 10 from the field. Like, how many times is a 75-year-old man going to be shooting 90% <laughs> from the field in an NBA basketball game? Answer me that question.
1: Quit harping on my boy Tony <laughs> Allen. Um, no, I— He gets his shots. I mean, it's very, like I said, his numbers fluctuate pretty, pretty, you know, hardcore. And like eight field goal attempts, ten field goal attempts, five and three. So, I mean, there's definitely some risks there. But I think, like I said, at his price, I think there's enough upside that I'm I'm willing to, you know, pay down for him.
2: I mean, it's fine. I know you have to have at least one old person in your lineup. I get it. I'm not sure I understand that one because, obviously, I want Greek freak in my lineup. But my other shooting guard is Jody Meeks. I mentioned it earlier in the podcast where I thought that that injury concern with the Magic could make a big difference. And Jody Meeks is expected to get the start. He's going for 3800 That's the thing. like 3800 against the Pelicans' defense and you're getting the start? I don't know why you wouldn't be playing him. He, he almost feels like buddy heel territory where we know we're going to get that 20-25 to 25 with the upside of about 30 points for, what, 3800 That's almost 10 times the price. Now, you have to be crazy to start... A sixty-five-year-old shooting guard over a guy that could get ten times the value.
1: Yeah, come on. I mean, I, I do get. Stop it. Stop saying come on. It's it's legit. <laughs> I do get it that he's going to see you know plus thirty minutes as a starter. Um, yeah. He had twelve points, three rebounds, six assists against the Jazz.
2: Again, Jazz pretty good defense. He he did just fine against them. What's he going to do against the Pelicans, who can't stop anybody? I'm put, Dude, I'm putting my money on the veteran. It's it's all about the veterans. All right, fine, fine. Give me your small forwards then. I'm sure you're going to be going young there. You have to be. <laughs> well,
1: I hate to put this on you like that. but <laughs> uh, Yeah, no, I'm going Marcus Morris. Talked about him yep. a little bit previously. Uh, I'm thinking he's getting a pretty decent load of minutes with um, Kentavious Caldwell Pope sitting out. Um, and then I'm also going with Andre Iguodala. Come on. I, I know I know it's it's more kind of more of a gut play for me honestly I'm not a huge fan of using a guy whose top output on the seasons 27.5 fan points but now that we're slowly pushing towards the second half of the season I, I think the Warriors could rely on some of these bench guys to spell some of their you know their all-star starters so um, he's averaging 26 minutes in seven January games which is pretty decent run um so despite getting off the bench he, he gets enough playing time where I think there's upside Okay, so now you're just trying to play with me. Clearly, you're just
2: trying to start two people that are over 60 years old. I feel like you're just giving me the win on this one. The retirement home is open today. No, that well, that's actually a really good line. But no, that's not going to work for DFS purposes. Uh, Andre Iguodala, spe- spectacular defender. I get that. And, he, and he's a great dunker, too. We, we, we all know what he does. But my concern is that... Why would the Warriors be sitting any of their players when they're playing in such a high-profile match against the Thunder? If anything, I could see them just pulling out all the stops and playing everyone, you know, 10 minutes longer than they need to just because they want to run it up on the Thunder. Not that they're going to be taking him out. Is Iguodala going to be covering
1: Westbrook? Uh, I- that is that's questionable. I don't think so. I, I don't know how much they'll be on the floor together. But I think in playoff time that you could see Iguodala covering Westbrook yeah, more yeah. if that
2: matchup took place. But at least in the regular season, I don't think the Warriors are tipping their hands. So then you're expecting Iguodala to go out and cover Optimizer Oladipo. I don't like. Why are we wasting minutes on Iguodala then? So to me, I don't. I don't think that start makes much sense at all. And
1: I hope, I hope I'm convincing you otherwise right now. I want to talk you out of this pick. You're, just, you're slowly moving me? No, I'm kidding. I, I love it. I, I, like I said, it's a gut play for me this time around. 3,900, I think he's going to get some some added run. I, I do really think that the Warriors don't really care too much about, you know, who they're playing at this point. Other than the Cavaliers, I think the Cavs are in their head a little bit, you know. Yeah, that's probably true. But other than that, I don't think they really care who they're playing at this point in the season. And I, I wouldn't... You wouldn't even blow my mind if they, you know, rested some of the guys late, late in the second half.
2: So here's the thing: I, I can see where you're getting at, and I'm fine with gut calls. Like a, that makes sense to me. Uh on on an understanding level that, okay, you're going to make a call on this one. But I would much rather have the sure thing, and right now, I feel like the sure thing is Kent Baysmore at 4,600, only 700 more than your 80-year-old small four that you feel like playing. We have a guy that's going to be consistently getting around 25 to 30 points. We know he's playing more because Kyle Korver's been traded and the Hawks need to have some scoring punch. We know he can shoot outside and make the shots when he's on fire, or at least when he's on. And I I think he's one of those guys you look at that, okay, yeah, I definitely want him in my lineup. I think he's going to get bumped up to probably like 5000 5500 probably by the end of the month especially as this the Hawks either decide they're going to trade people or not trade people. So to me, I think Kent Bazemore is an automatic start at the price he's at. And my other small forward is Kevin Durant, I think simply because he wants to run it up on the Thunder. So I'm taking the revenge game. A DJ Trainer, our, our excellent NBA analyst at uh, Rotowire, was suggesting the same thing and he very much believes that there are revenge games, and that happens a lot in the NBA. I, I'm i all for it. I'm going on, I think, 10400 for Kevin Durant. That's an easy price to pay.
1: I still think Bazemore is quite inflated already. I, I don't think he's that great. You know, he had 31 and 29 Fanduel points in the last two games, but prior to that, he only had 22 or less in 8 of 10 games. I, I'm, I'm not buying that he's... It's because he wasn't playing that much. That's what I'm saying. I think that
2: Baysmore now, with Kyle Korver out, it means that we're going to get more opportunities for him. And I think while 29 and 31 Fanduel points respectively, that's pretty good. That's probably what I'm expecting at this point. I think that's going to go up higher as we go, and that's where I think his price even raises more. So you say overinflated, I say underinflated, and I say by a wide margin. That's where that's where I think that the concern comes into play. And I would rather have that 4600 price for Baysmore than 39 for Iguodala
1: when we know he's not starting. Right. I mean, I see where you're coming from, but I still think he's overinflated. Um, was, he, was he sitting at five thousand? No, he's he's at forty-six hundred. Basemore's at forty-six hundred.
2: Okay. Well, that's. I mean, that's. I think he can get to 5,000, 5,500. That's where he should
1: be in about two, three weeks when he actually is dropping more of these points. No, he's too in, too inconsistent for me. I get it that he's 4,600, maybe, you know, some potential there, but I, I still think he's overinflated and I'd rather look elsewhere.
2: Fine. All right. Just talk about your power forward so I can get past this this whole thing that you're making me angry now. <laughs>
1: yeah, okay, I'm going with, I talked to him about him a bunch again earlier, Enos Kanter um, with Steven Adams out. I think he's going to log a ton of minutes going to be pretty effective. I'm also going with Ersan Ilyasova. Um, I know you're uh, you're not a huge guy, you know, a fan of him, um, but yeah, he's fairly priced, has more potential than most of the guys in the upper 5,000 range. I think having both Joel Embiid and Nerlens Noel dealing with their respective injuries, that could, you know, boost his value a bit, um, giving him some more minutes in the backcourt. And I think Ilyasova's hit that 50-point family mark before this season, and uh, he may be on a slightly smaller stretch at this point, but um, I think he's got a lot more upside than than other options at that five thousand, uh, mid five thousand, mid to upper five thousand range. I should say. So it's not
2: that I don't like Ilya Sova. I mean, as a Bucks fan, I've been a been an admirer of his for a little while. I like what he what he can do for his game. My concern is I feel like there's better power forward options, and I don't I don't really know if you want to be comfortable using Jabari Parker, obviously against the Rockets' defense. I feel at seventy five hundred, that's not too bad of a price. I know you talked about Cantor. He's he's okay enough for me. I think Serge Ibaka at 6,100, especially against the Pelicans, that, again, not great at defense. Um, I know Anthony Davis could be playing power forward, could be playing center, but Ibaka will get his points, and he's one of those guys I'm looking at too that that can do that. For, for 5,800, I'm fine with that. I just think the Raptors have a pretty good defense, uh, and for, at least for power forwards, it's not that big of a concern for me um, to have a 76er guy in there. So. I, I, I understand where you're going, and at least that's a consistent player, not like Iguodala or Tony, <laughs> Tony Allen. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm I'm just looking elsewhere. I'd rather have Serge Ibaka, obviously, 6,100. I just said that before, going against the Pelicans. My other guy, I'm paying up a little bit more for Paul Millsap. This was under the understanding that uh, that Andre Drummond will be out. Even though he is not out, I'm expecting that for 8,300, I think Millsap is going to be one of the prime scorers against the Pistons, and I'm still playing him regardless. I don't know who's going to be covering him. I don't think it matters because P- Millsap always gets his points, gets his rebounds, gets his assists. To me, it's a consistent
1: floor that I can rely on, and I'm definitely playing him if I can. Yeah, I think Millsap's probably one of the one of the plays I like the most on your lineup, honestly. Um, he's Like you said, he's one of the most consistent guys. He's, gets at least in the upper 30s almost every single night, if not more. Right. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I like that play a lot.
2: I, I don't know. That's, that's, to me, where I think is the best route to go. Um I think that you could probably find some cheaper options at Power Forward. I think Ilisso was not too bad. Um Draymond Green even could be one of those people that we look at and say, "Hey, he's going to have a heck of a game." Obviously, he played pretty well when he wasn't kicking people against the Cavs. So, <laughs> I think <laughs> you 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 find you find where the value is and you go from there. So, Anthony Davis 11,200 again, he's playing. He's going against the Magic. I think that's a pretty high price. We both said that we think that's a guy that we're staying away from, and I'm sticking by that. Especially, especially when there's other options that you've just mentioned that I've mentioned. I think they're going to be better than that. Yeah. Who's your sign that you're starting? I'm
1: going with uh, Nikola Vucevic um, for the Magic. It's a guy. He was coming off the bench for a while there um, with Bismarck Biyombo, and there, there was a little weird rotation action there. But he's back in the starting lineup. Um, I think he's an easy double-double threat on any given night. Um, still fairly cheap. Still sitting at 7,200. So I think, you know, if I'm not getting one of those top tier guys like a Cousins or a Gasol, um, I think this is one of the better middle tier centers that you can possibly get. Like I said, that double double um, threat is, you know, always extremely nice. He's almost always up there near that 10, 10 rebound, which, keep, you know, gives him that really high floor. I'm going to give you the definition of
2: middle tier center. That's Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, we had talked about him quite a bit. The optimizer likes him. I think he's definitely one of those guys against the 76ers that he should be getting exactly the kind of points we're expecting. So at 5,700, I'm looking at around 25, 28, 30 points. And I think that's, that's easily doable against Joel Embiid. If, if New Orleans Noel does not play, which it was looking like when we started this podcast that he wouldn't, that's even more of a defensive present. That's not going to be out there. I think Valanciunas is going to be a, it can be one of those guys that you can definitely rely on and you can find money elsewhere because you're saving up on the center position.
1: Yeah, he's another one of those guys that has a pretty high floor due to his, you know, his rebounding numbers. Right. Are up there, his big nights are going to be when he actually scores. He's not the best, you know, guy that's going to get you all those points um, in that in that way. But like, yeah, like I said, he's got the decently high floor with his rebounding, um, and I think at his price, which is only fifty-seven hundred, I, I think that could be definitely some great value. He
2: did have a dud last game against the Nets. Uh, only nineteen points. He had seven points. 10 rebounds. That was about it for his floor, but we see what he can do other night. So he played the, the Nets even two games before that. He had a 31-point FanDuel night, 46-point FanDuel night, 30-point FanDuel night. Those are the last three of the four games I just mentioned. So to me, that, that seems like a pretty reasonable thing for me to expect against the 76ers, who just aren't that good of a team yet. They're they're trending upwards for once, finally. Happy to see it, but <laughs> I, I just I don't think that that's enough of a concern for me to to not start Valtteri's. So, all right, that breaks it down for our our Monday. I'm sorry, for our Wednesday lineups. Um, We'll be back Monday to discuss more DFS purposes. So we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.